there, I'm Jolene McCarthy and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Mike Pizzani, Director of Financial Planning. How are you, Mike? I'm a little lonely this morning. I'm here without my partner in crime, and it won't stop raining. (laughs) Joel is not with us this week. He's on vacation with his family, so it's just me and Mike. Yeah, I offered for Joe Lynn to answer a question, but I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Okay, Mike. Our first question is from Scott in New Mexico. Do you think that inflation will increase when employment drops? So this is actually really interesting because basic financial theory would probably tell you that, yeah, inflation will accelerate as the labor market improves. You have to think that you have more people back in the workforce, more productivity potentially. But I actually am going to take the other side of this one for a change. And sometimes to get certain things right, you have to think a little bit backwards and go against the consensus or what the basic theory actually is. There have been so many supply constraints that have developed as a result of COVID. And some of the problems with that is because you have these all these disruptions in the workforce, shipping, uh, different ports getting shut down all across the country and across the world. So I personally think that when the labor market begins to improve, you're going to see a decrease in inflationary trends. And that's because a lot of the supply chain constraints that are, in essence, created by COVID are going to be alleviated because there's going to be more productivity and more people back in the workforce. Now, inflation trends are probably going to set to decelerate. There's another CPI reading uh, in the middle of this week, which I think a lot of people are going to focus on. And you've seen interest rates fall quite a bit recently as a result of um, concerns about the Delta variant accelerating. And then simultaneously, I think some of the drop in the 10-year treasuries because people are pricing in a potential tapering by the Fed. But also, there are are a lot of people out there that think that inflation trends are going to decelerate now that we've lapped this uh, June comp. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But I personally think that inflation is not necessarily going to accelerate as the labor market improves. I actually think it's going to decelerate as productivity could expand and some of the supply chain issues will alleviate themselves. All right. All right. Our next question is from Chris in New York. What are the advantages and disadvantages of owning MLPs in a portfolio? I know one disadvantage is that you must wait for a K-1 report, which is usually the last thing that is sent out to complete returns. Yeah, this is actually really interesting. And it's a good planning question because there's two separate things that can kind of go into this. We have a lot of clients that absolutely despise master limited partnerships, not necessarily because they've been bad investments over the course of a really extended period of time, but because they distribute K-1s. And when you distribute K-1s in a after-tax account, Usually those K-1s will come in the middle of March, um, right around the time that the corporate filing deadline actually stops. So a lot of people tend to dislike that because they either file their taxes before those K-1s come out or they just don't like waiting for them uh, because it does come out in such a delayed fashion. But there is a secondary negative that's associated with K-1s, massive limited partnerships, especially if you own those in a retirement account. 
So one of the little known factors here is called UBTI, uh, Unrelated Business Taxable Income. And that is taxable income that is generated uh, by a tax-exempt entity through taxable activities. So retirement accounts are tax-deferred accounts. So the problem with this is if you hold significant amounts of master limited partnerships, uh, anything that generates a K-1 in a retirement or tax-sheltered account, you could be subject to this UBTI if they generate over $1,000 in taxable interest or taxable income throughout the course of a calendar year, which could cause an additional filing and it could cause uh, unta- like traditionally untaxable uh, distributions in retirement account to actually be taxed because with K-1s and master limited partnerships, if it's an after-tax account, you get, to dep- you get to participate in the depreciation and all the losses. So in spite of the fact that they can uh, be really tax-efficient investments for certain people, a lot of regular investors don't like them because of the delay in which those K-1s come out, but they could have another negative if that UBTI hits you in a retirement account. So it's something that you want to be aware of. There are certain entities like Blackstone and KKR and other investments um, and companies that have converted to C-Corps that were previously K-1s or limited partnerships. We've seen a lot of companies actually do this, but there's still a number of companies that distribute K-1s. We tend to stay away from them now because we've had so many complaints about people getting K-1s really late. Um, But that's another, the UBTI is another disadvantage. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for answering this week's two questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit, email us at jmccarthy at focuswealthmgmt.com. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.